And again, just a reminder that, of course, there is no uh, Children's Church this morning again, uh, as we're going to bring to a close uh, our mini-series entitled Not for Kids Only from the Pulpit, and I hope you've had fun with this series. Uh, I've heard some comments from some different people that they've enjoyed it. actually uh, heard a couple comments from our, a couple of our on- online viewers. We have uh, kind of another audience besides the one that's present here today that watches these on Facebook, and I've heard... Uh, I heard a comment from one individual. I think that's so great that, that sometimes you have the, the families together for worship. So uh, the community outside uh, gets to see a little bit of what Ferris does every Sunday online. And, and it's neat when you hear good things like that. And I'd like to thank, uh, could we actually have a round of applause for our video people? We have Betsy and Luke and Amy. And um, every week somebody... Uh, is, uh, make sure that that gets out there, and that's, uh, I've really appreciated their service. Two weeks ago, we began our study from Scripture about the Trinity. We had a message entitled, God is Real. Last Sunday, we continued with, Jesus is my hero, and that was a fun, that was a fun week, too. This morning, our main text is going to come from uh, John 14, verses 16 to 18. Uh, You can turn there if you like. I'll have it on the screen behind me, too. This morning, uh, the name of our message is The Spirit Helps Us. Uh, Before we jump into that, I have a quick question for you, and I don't know if some of the kids can help out with this. uh, This this question isn't just for them, but uh, do we have any Star Wars fans here in the... uh, building. I'm seeing a few. Uh, There's one raised real tall up up over there. Um, If you've seen, if you've perhaps seen multiple times, uh, I've talked to some people, some people halfway know this by heart, these movies, Uh, and and I don't care if it was the original series from night, I'm going to really show, betray, show off my geek dumb here. Um, I don't care if it was the original series from way back in 1977, Uh, I was negative three years old then, by the way. If it was one of the prequels from 1999, if it was one of the sequels from 2015, there have been multiple opportunities over the last 30-plus years to see these films. So if you haven't, you need to do that. But no, anyway. Disney owns Star Wars now, and I figure that makes Princess Leia a Disney princess, just like Cinderella, but my daughter argues with me on that. No, Dad, it doesn't make her Disney princess. But even the most casual moviegoer is likely to have seen one film from this series. Last year, this series was worth about $65 billion. That's the net worth of this series, so just in case you wondered that. But just in case you're listening today and you're in this weird minority of people that haven't seen Star Wars, because I know there's a few of you, I will say this much. This is relevant to our message this morning. A significant portion of the film's plot for this series revolves around this mystical belief system called the Force, okay? And according to StarWars.com, just so you know it's official, okay, I'm not taking theology from some off-source, according to the Star Wars Church. Uh, According to StarWars.com, the Force, quote, is a mysterious energy field created by life that binds the galaxy together, okay? Harnessing, this is in the film, harnessing the power of the Force gives the Jedi, and the Jedi are a brand of Star Wars warrior. 
It gives uh, them and others sensitive to this spiritual energy, if you will, extraordinary abilities. They're able to pick up objects, uh, trick people's minds, see things before they happen. And by the way, uh, both the heroes and the villains of the Star Wars film series uh, can utilize this so-called force. Uh, whether you're a good guy or bad guy, you can tap into it. Uh, one writer online adds this, heroes like the Jedi use the light side while seeking to become one with the Force, while the Sith and other villains exploit the dark side. I should have had some effects added to that. They've always tried to bend it toward their will, okay? Now, obviously, uh, the original series creator, George Lucas, uh, has drawn on various world religions, practices for his Star Wars series, but his source material is far from what the Bible says about spiritual warfare, right? Far from what uh, Christianity says. As one, uh, this quote actually comes from a pastor and an avid Star Wars fan, uh, writes the following, the force is depicted as something supernatural, within the Star Wars universe, but it's not the same thing as, say, a personal god that Christians or Jews or Muslims might believe in. It's an impersonal force. It's a neutral energy. It's just out there to be used for good or evil. And for some of us nerdy types, this is some of the world's greatest, most exciting and creative science fiction ever written, right? Can I hear an amen? <laughs> or laugh is good. But it's still, I want to stress this, fiction, right? It's fiction. But what's interesting is that there's at least one Christian cult, major cult, so-called Christian group that actually teaches that the Holy Spirit of God exists as little more than an impersonal force. It's interesting. I won't name the group, but their official church website quotes the Encyclopedia Britannica, Britannica which is quite the source for theology, right? It argues this, uh, quote, this is their words, the definition of the Holy Spirit as a distinct divine person came at the Council of Constantinople in the year 381. The, their website goes on to claim the Holy Spirit is God's active force. The Bible reveals the impersonal nature of the Holy Spirit. One major uh, cult teaches this. So according to some people, Christianity is a lot like Star Wars. The universe is in existence and functioning, and Christians are functioning, and we're doing our thing thanks to some kind of dynamic force. Our church literature might as well read, May the force be with you. But, fellow believers, our God has revealed himself to us, not impersonally, but as three distinct persons. Three distinct persons. Our main text for this morning, the words of Jesus, God the Son, speaking of the Holy Spirit uh, in the following manner. Uh, he says this, John 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
And Jesus says something similar in John 15, verse 26, about the Holy Spirit. He says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. You see the difference here in what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And so here's what's interesting. The choices of words that God the Son, Jesus Christ, chooses to use about him. The Spirit is not the force. Luke, or not just Luke, but other people here too. You knew I was going to say it. For those of you who love making little lists, I've got another one for you. If, you, if you're a note taker, you like doing that. Uh, got some things up here, and we'll go through them together. How can we understand the Spirit is a person, that God has revealed himself to us personally in all ways? It works like this. Number one, in the original uh, language of our Bibles, the word for spirit is pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A. Now this word, pneuma, we do understand. It means breath, as in breath of God or the Spirit. It is gender neutral right away in the original language. The word does not specifically point to male or female all by itself. But Jesus says something significant. He adds something significant every time he uses this word, pneuma. Number two, when Jesus, the Son, talks about the pneuma of God, a male pronoun is used. He, each and every time. If Jesus wanted to refer to the Holy Spirit impersonally or as an energy field, uh, he could have used the word it. But again, John 15, 26, Jesus says, Who proceeds from the Father? He will bear witness about me. We, we need to understand this this morning. It's so important. In John 14, 16, Jesus again says, Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. And in John 16, 8, this one is significant as well. Jesus says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will do these things. But it's not even just uh, Jesus. It's not even just the words of Christ about the Holy Spirit, which confirm who he is. Number three, uh, the word of God is consistent, cover to cover, all parts, with the teaching of the Spirit of God. He must be a person like God the Son. Acts 8.29, for example, confirms his personhood in action, saying, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. He is giving a direction. The Spirit is always active and working throughout the Bible, personally and uh, divinely. Here's just a few examples I wanted to include these things, and I gave you some scripture references because it's really quite interesting when you look and see all the things the Holy Spirit has revealed to us as doing. Just as Jesus was involved in creation, so was the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Remember what the Spirit was doing? Hovering over the waters, the Bible tells us. Uh, scripture itself, the very words of God have been given to us by whom? By the Holy Spirit. 
Zechariah 4.6 is, is a neat Old Testament scripture on this. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this as well. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, I won't give you all the, the verses out loud. You can see them on your screen. But the Holy Spirit leads, brings comfort, convicts, teaches, reveals the glory of God, gives direct guidance. The Holy Spirit is also the giver of spiritual gifts by his own will. He makes the decisions on these things. These are all the actions of a divine person. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so looking into the languages, you know, we have Greek, Aramaic in the New Testament. Uh, we have a Hebrew in the Old. We must understand this is so, so important today. Uh, God's people do not use the force. God's people let the Holy Spirit of God use them. Amen? We let the Holy Spirit of God use us. Use us. But how does this all work? How does this all work? Sometimes we wonder this. Sometimes we might be uh, baptized believers and still wonder this. How does the Holy Spirit of God use me? Well, Jesus says this. John 16, 13, remember? When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Okay, now before these promises of Jesus, in another time, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament could come to dwell within an individual. This was temporary. We saw this uh, as a sign of God's favor, didn't we? As in the case of David. 1 Samuel 16. Now, if a person would fall away from God's favor, the Spirit would depart the individual, as in the case of Saul. 1 Samuel 16. Today, all of God's people are promised to actually receive the Holy Spirit of God on the inside, indwelling, at the point of their baptism. Not at some miscellaneous uh, random time. We don't know when. We do know when. Acts 2.38 and John 14.17 uh, tell us. But it's extremely important that we understand God will not force any kind of a relationship upon us. That's what we want to remember about our relationship with the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so number one, we must first receive His Holy Spirit. We must first choose to receive His Holy Spirit. Though it's God's will, we all have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Though we are all desperate for the help of the Spirit, though we all need His guidance, the Bible says, Hebrews 9.14, to serve the living God. We must actually choose, as Jesus says, to know Him, to accept His dwelling within us. And that's at the point of our baptism, of course. But this is just the beginning, isn't it? This is just the beginning. Once we've received the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit, when we come up out of those waters at baptism and we sing the praises of the Lord, because how incredible that is if you think about it. What's next? What's next? Well, our next command is to be faithful unto death, Revelation uh, 2.10. Sometimes in this life we wonder. We're trying to be faithful. But where's the help I'm promised by God? How's the Spirit helping me? 
Well, one question we may ask ourselves in these times is, am I depending on the Holy Spirit of God? Am I being led by the Spirit of God? Are we choosing to follow the Spirit of God every day? It's important. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. But here's the thing. Too often, we don't allow the Spirit to make those changes within us, do we? We don't allow it. We don't choose it. We, we, we like the promise of the Spirit in the by and by. We like the idea of salvation, the free gift given to us. Yeah, we'll take that. That's free. But we don't always choose faith in him don't we doubt him in the day-to-day -day? we sure do we sure do here's the thing though we must remember that the holy spirit has been changing lives from the inside out in this manner ever since pentecost in the book of acts you remember you remember when this began for us when those words of jesus were fulfilled such an incredible moment. This was the beginning of the church, the church as we know it today. When John promises in, in uh, excuse me, when Jesus promises in John 14, 16 that he's going to send that helper to be with his followers, he's talking about an event that is guaranteed for all believers after the Holy Spirit came to the church in Acts chapter 2. You remember? Verses uh, 17 and 18 of that chapter uh, say this. You remember? Peter quotes Joel, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old, and your old men shall see dreams. Peter quoted that prophet Joel here at Pentecost to say, These words have now been fulfilled. These promises Jesus have made you, here they are. Now repent and be baptized and receive the gift promised to you, O church and then follow, and then follow. And thousands of years later, the Holy Spirit still comes to us the way he was promised. But sometimes we doubt those promises. Sometimes we hear those words. And maybe sometimes we think, well, I'm no prophet, Joel, right? How is the Spirit helping me? How is the Spirit helping me today in my walk with the Lord? One thing we might ask ourselves, you know, if you're a baptized believer and really think hard about the answer to this question, what's the Holy Spirit done differently in your life since baptism? If you're really walking with God, what has God done in your life that he wasn't able to do in your life earlier? Before you believed, before you made that commitment, that decision, I guarantee he's been busy. I guarantee you, you've been made new. Your gifting may not be first century dreams and visions. And, and by the way, we'll, we'll talk more about spiritual gifts in a minute. But how do you know the Holy Spirit has made a difference in your life, in your walk? <clears throat> Let's go back to the Word. Isaiah 64, 6 says what? Our good deeds, they look like filthy rags. Look like filthy rags. Which is, by, by the way, a euphemism for something I can't say from the pulpit. So this is a big deal. Imagine how much worse off we would be today if we didn't have the Holy Spirit of the Lord and couldn't care less. Imagine. 
Think with me. The Holy Spirit has made a difference in your life. You've probably heard me quote the statistic that two billion people claim to be Christians worldwide. Two billion out of, uh, you know, eight billion or so. And we might hear the headlines, we might think, uh, since the fall, this is such a rotten place to live in in so many ways. But can you imagine the state of the world if God had not poured out His Spirit? If this promise had not been made for the church, can you imagine it? Well, we don't have to imagine it. Old Testament readings of God's judgment on the earth. Remember how bad things were at the time of Noah? That God wiped everything out to start again? Remember? Remember how bad things were at Sodom and Gomorrah? These paint that picture wonderfully. But no matter where you and the Spirit are working at in your life, because I guarantee He is somewhere, here's the cool thing about receiving His help. Right off the bat, you know, when you pick up your, your Bible, when you pick up God's Word, when you engage others in speaking God's Word, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, you too can be a part of what commentator John Stott calls the universal prophetic uh, ministry fulfilled through Christ. You too can, in a sense, be a prophet just like you can be a priest, in a sense. Kids and adults, think about the opportunities you have to speak the same words of God to others as the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. That's incredible that you've been given words by the Holy Spirit of God. I used to tease my old uh, minister, a uh, good friend of mine. He's now serving as a chaplain. His name uh, was Gary Boschain. He preached here one time, if you remember Gary coming to visit from a few years back. Gary would often uh, deliver a sermon on Sunday, and afterwards, if I felt incredibly convicted about the message or something that the Spirit was saying through Gary, to me, as I often did, I often felt like, you know, uh, what you're saying today was, was for me. I don't know how you knew what I was going through, but it did. Um, I would proceed to refer to Gary for the rest of the week in every conversation as Prophet Gary Boschain. And I wasn't just teasing him, I really meant it. I really meant it because the Holy Spirit was convicting my heart through God's words. Gary's mouth was open, but God himself was speaking through Gary as part of this uh, prophetic ministry. Now, I don't recommend calling oneself a prophet. It's always going to be the Lord speaking, not you, and it's always going to be what's found here. But you're passing God's word on to others can have amazing results. Amen? Amazing results. As the Holy Spirit speaks through you the words of the Lord, as the Spirit helps you, the Spirit is also helping others. You see uh, what the Spirit of God can accomplish. It's amazing. You see how this works. So it's no wonder that in Acts 2.38, at the beginning of the church, when Peter is explaining the way the kingdom of God will grow by the way of the Holy Spirit, by the way of the Holy Spirit, he says, again, you know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Fairest Church of Christ. Don't doubt the helper in you. Amen? Don't 
doubt the Spirit in you. 3,000 people that day, the time of the, the delivery of this message, plus all of us who are far off today have been brought to Jesus by the Apostle Peter's sermon in the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it incredible when we look back what the Spirit has done, how the Spirit has helped us? Because we've not been orphaned, have we? God has come to us. And thousands of years later, He continues to help us. He continues to help us. But again, how is this, how, how is this affecting me personally? How, what if I'm not getting the help like I'd like? Uh, I'm struggling in my walk with Christ. You know, I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I, I know He works, but I have these circumstances in my lives, real problems, real problems and issues that need solutions. I could use just a little more spiritual advice from Him on this journey. You know, between the baptism and resurrection, there's, there's some time there. What do I do? Does this hit home? with you this morning. Does this hit home? There's a scene, uh, getting back to Star Wars for a moment, some of you are like, oh great. But there's a scene in the second Star Wars film of the original 70s series, the original series in which the warrior Luke Skywalker goes to uh, Jedi Master Yoda. Now, originally, this is, this is him back here, up there. Um, Yoda was originally in the series just, uh, just a Muppet, you know. Could throw him in there with Miss Piggy and, and Fozzie Bear and, and all the hits. I was a bit of a Muppets fan. Imagine that. But thanks to ever-evolving technology, you can now view a digitally enhanced version of the original film series in which uh, this little green CGI Yoda has been substituted instead of that Muppet with the strings. Uh, isn't technology grand? Now, the Muppet voice, thanks to actor Frank Oz, has continued to remain a memorable part of the series. So, <clears throat> still, when Luke Skywalker asks Yoda for help, Yoda responds, Help you, I can. Yes. <laughs> I've been working on that. Haven't found a resume yet to put it on, but now when I was a kid, I had access to the this this is this is for the uh, younger set. When I was a kid, I had access to a computer with sound recorder software, you know, and I would take that help you I can sample from the film, and I'd reverse it and play it that way as loud as I could. Uh, so it sounded like this from uh, my computer to to whoever happened to be watching something in the living room. Ooh, sorry, I'm Smitty Pipe. And I'm not sure why I shared that with you other than I used to find it entertaining when done repeatedly. <laughs> but getting back to my point, I do have one. Getting back to Yoda's response, this, help you I can. Unlike an impersonal force, help you the Holy Spirit can and will, thankfully without the Frank Oz voice. Uh, that's not him if you hear that, by the way. But Romans 8.26 promises this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, that's a promise from God, okay? Goes on to say, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And it says, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints 
according to the will of God. So good news if you're a Christian. Not only is the Spirit with you, not only is the Spirit revealed, God's Word, the Bible to you, not only will the Spirit work through you, speaking God's Word to others, if He chooses, get this, the Spirit will even take the prayers you say to God and get personally involved with those prayers between you and God. That is incredible. That is, in, that is absolutely incredible. As one author writes, knowing that the Holy Spirit tenderly prays for us in our weakness should encourage us to pray. Amen? Should encourage us to pray. God is praying with you when you pray. But are we asking God for help? Are we praying? How is our prayer life? How are we doing on that? I've got some more scary statistics today. 90% of Christians responding to one survey, regardless of age, demographic, report that their prayer life, quote, isn't what they'd like it to be. It lacks meaning and consistency. This goes for all of us of all ages. It's in Romans 8.26, where we're told the Spirit helps us in our weakness. One commentator notes that this exact word in the original language only occurs one other time in Scripture in Luke 10.40 when, you know, Jesus is in the home there with Mary and Martha and Martha tells Jesus to tell Mary to help me, you know? And, it, it, you know, it's just like, you, you know, I got those three sisters at home and, and I hear that constantly. I'm like, oh, they're saying the Word of God. Not really, but... Well, when the Bible says the Spirit helps me, it's not saying the Christian has the freedom to sit back and expect God to fix every detail of our lives, right? The relationship God requires with us requires our participation, requires our participation. And so the Holy Spirit takes the prayers we offer to God, the burdens we unload to the Father. To quote this commentator, the Spirit says, let me grab the other end. Let me help you. I'll pick up this burden and take it to the Father's throne. The Spirit says, I know what to pray when you don't. Incredible. Do we take advantage of the Spirit helping us? Do we take advantage of it? Never, ever, friends, are we ever left alone with our thoughts and prayers and desires and temptations and hurts and hang-ups and needs. Never, never, nor will we be left as orphans but we have got to come to god in prayer we've got to do it we've got to let god himself work on our behalf if i'm not pouring myself out to god what am i giving him to work with amen what am i giving him to work with the work is shared Think about it. Today we're encouraged to, to pour out of ourselves, give ourselves trusting uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, counselors, advisors, ministers with intimate details of our lives. It's for our own benefit. There are times in which this is entirely appropriate for our healing. After we experience the death of a, of a loved one, uh, for example. So if I know Almighty God Himself if I know His Spirit was sovereign at creation, hovering over those waters, Genesis 1, shouldn't I know every day that He is able to help me, to help little old me as a new creation? 2 Corinthians. Just part of His creation. We have to be people of prayer. 
We have to be people of prayer. If we expect the Holy Spirit to work with our prayers, our Bible says he searches and knows our very hearts that he'll work out the details. You know, and, th and that means even if circumstances don't always work out the way we expect. There's a story told, <clears throat> this is a true story, by the way. There was a godly mother once uh, named Monica. Monica prayed for years for the salvation of her son, who had deserted the faith. Her son informed Monica that he was going to move to Italy. Despite her pleading before God in prayer that her son would be kept from going because of the further sin she believed he would encounter, her son went anyway. So what happened? This godly mother's son would encounter Christ while he was away in Italy, gave his life to Jesus there. Well, the author of the story, uh, or the teller of the story rather, continues, the Spirit took her desire and prayer and redirected it before God's throne. And Augustine, you may have heard of St. Augustine, her son Augustine became the most influential theologian for the next thousand years. So prayer isn't always easy for us. It doesn't always come easy. The results may not be what we expect. Prayer requires diligence. There's a reason why we have a weekly ministry every week and an ongoing prayer ministry here with Ferris Church of Christ. We're to be dedicated, pray without ceasing, but the Spirit will help us. God's Word promises this, promises it. And there's another way God's Word promises the person of the Holy Spirit. Helps us personally. This is big too. Spiritual gifts. If we, open our, our, if we would open our, our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul makes a list of these. This list, you know, uh, the utterance of wisdom, prophecy, various kinds of tongues, and so on. But it's so important that we note what Paul says here in verse 4 of this chapter. There's, uh, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. He goes on to say, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Here's a bit of a disclaimer. What we find in some, uh, ironically called Pentecostal, okay, churches today, is, is what this preacher would call a limiting, a limiting of spiritual gifts to what the Holy Spirit gave those apostles in the first century. You know, if you, if you walk into some church buildings and, and don't see people running around pews and, uh, blathering strangely some people believe the holy spirit didn't come to visit that day but that's not the way it works romans chapter 6 makes it clear that your baptism in the holy spirit happened the same moment as your water baptism he doesn't come and go he doesn't come and go and by the way uh gifts such as speaking in tongues these were given to help first century apostles spreading the gospel to the ethnic groups of the world without this without the convenience of God's word being in their hands. So it's important we understand this today. Gifts of service, don't limit that to what God did at one point in time. Don't limit that. Could the Holy Spirit give the gift of tongues uh, to us in Montcalm County at the Corner Church? Uh, yes, possible. Is it likely with the finished word of God at our fingertips? No, it's not. But you know what's more likely? And you know what's probably going to be a lot more useful in Montcalm County? Your gift of encouragement, your gift of building someone up, of greeting someone at the front door when they walk into this place, 
being a, a better witness as a spiritual gift, that word uh, charismata or grace gift, as anything given to Peter, anything given to those apostles uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit in the Gospels. The Spirit is still at work giving gifts today. Please don't limit him in his ministry. But here's the thing. Let's turn this to a positive. Are you blessed with the gift of giving? The gift of mercy? Can you help a single widow out with an automobile issue today? What gifts is the Spirit giving to you? Are you able to give someone a hand with a, a broken appliance? Are you crafty? Can you make and sell a painting to present a missionary with a donation for the work of the Lord? Do, 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 are you catching on here to the way the Spirit can work through you? These are gifts of the Spirit for kingdom use. So what has God given you? What has he given you? Let's move forward. There's more we could talk about that, but we'll save it for another time. Finally, the helper, besides personal spiritual gifts, also helps us bear personal spiritual fruit. And unlike spiritual gifts, spiritual fruit does look alike. It does look alike because it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus Christ. And think of Jesus when you look at this text. Galatians 5, to 23. And I got to be honest with you, this text is sometimes... Uh, Hard on uh, your, your preacher's ears. See if you can find one or two in there uh, that uh, maybe you struggle with as well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The text goes on in verse 25 to say, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. But I'll be honest, there's times I think, Kindness and goodness, Lord. Uh, okay, after I get my coffee, maybe. Let me get three cups of it down, and I'll be ready for kindness and goodness, okay? But self-control, that's going to at least take two pots of coffee. Then I'll be ready for self-control. Uh, Lord, you're talking to Mr. Half a Case of Coke a Day. Well, that used to be me before the type 2 diabetes. So tell, sometimes self-control might be thrust upon us, right? But you notice the Scripture doesn't say fruits. It's not plural, uh, you can't pick and choose an apple and a banana and leave the kiwi for someone else in the produce section. Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. So if we're God's people, these qualities should all come through together on the outside because the Holy Spirit is working on us on the inside. This is what we need to concern ourselves with. Because I can't skip self-control and be uh, uh, someone that bears the fruit of the Spirit any more than I can skip repentance before becoming a Christian, right? I have a Facebook friend uh, that has sent out a reminder before, and I've appreciated He said, Christians, check your fruit. Check your fruit. Sometimes we need to do that in the kitchen. If you're like me, you know, uh, you buy bananas, and then, you know, before you, you know, you turn and look, and they're not bananas anymore. They're moving. That's not good. We finish up our, our grocery shopping and we end up with a fruit basket full of red and green delicious looking apples. But by the following week, on the day before grocery shopping, what's left just doesn't look the same. Likewise, we need to check what we're showing as Christians on the outside. And, th and this helps us know how we're to be praying for help on the inside, right? Again, the Spirit helping us, helping us bear that fruit. That's what He's doing. 
But as we uh, finish up this series and uh, message this morning that's not for kids only, who is God, uh, I'd like to remind you of this, you know, let's not forget where our spiritual help comes from, amen? Where our spiritual help comes from. How incredible it is that, you know, it's come, coming from God, from the inside out. We desperately need the Holy Spirit to guide us. That's no matter how old we are in the faith. Evangelist Dwight Moody was once asked why he preached on the need to be filled by the Holy Spirit so often, and his simple response, because I leak. And again, you know, don't forget, if you're a baptized believer, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you remain in Christ, he remains in you. But the Bible also says what? Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We're told we believers can actually grieve the Holy Spirit by uh, allowing him to coexist with unconfessed sin. How can the ministry of the Holy Spirit continue if uh, we're filling ourselves with, with junk, right? So are we filling our minds and bodies with the Holy Spirit or with other stuff? It's a good question. One preacher writes, No one who has ever walked through a desert says, One good drink of water is good enough for the weak. I'm reminded that uh, my diabetes has me going through a case of bottled water almost every day. But he continues, We need to drink of the Spirit as often as we thirst, for often we leak. Often we leak. And again, for me, that's, that's often. <laughs> but as we seek the will of the Father while we're following the Son, may we remember this. What an awesome God we follow. What an incredible promise we have that as we're seeking the will of the Father, as we're following the Son, from here to forever, the Spirit helps us. He helps us. And that's a promise. That's a promise, divinely and personally. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we, we praise your name this morning. We, we come to you. We follow a great God. <clears throat> Lord, we know that you're revealed as, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we know you are one. And Lord, we, we don't know how every part of this works. But we know what you have said about yourself. And we know that, that your ways and your understanding is, is far beyond ours. Lord, I just pray that no matter where we are this morning, we would remember that we're desperate for you. Lord, I pray that we would not be controlled, that we would not be uh, steered or, or put on a path by anything but you. That our desires would not be for the things of this world. Lord, as, as your word says, that, that we would not be drunk on wine, that we would not be caught up in sin, but that we would follow your Spirit. We would remember the love that you have shown us. 
and the love that you show to us daily. Lord, there's so many times in this world that we, we, we get caught up in one thing or another or, or we, we, we prioritize things that uh, we shouldn't. But once again, Lord, it all comes back to that relationship that we have with you. Lord, I just pray that, that we, would be, we would be good fruit bearers. I pray, Lord, that, that we, would, we would cast everything aside. We would, we would love a neighbor, that we would uh, forgive a friend and an enemy. We would help those in need. Lord, that we would feed the poor. I pray, Lord, that we would be a witness to you and, and good in, in, in all that we say and do so that others would, would, would see, would recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the gifts, the talents that you give us that, that you can use for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that we would not, we would not quench your spirit. Lord, we know from, from your word that, that it is possible for us to, uh, to fall away from you. That it's possible for us to, to, to grieve you and to decide we, we don't want to be led by you anymore. Oh Lord, I just pray that you would, you would draw us closer to you. Reveal, reveal to our hearts where we fall short and help us. I thank you that you promised that you will. Thank you for the blood that was shed for us at Calvary so that we may follow your Holy Spirit to where you are in eternity. It is in Jesus' name I pray these things, amen.